Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Hospital surgery bring everybody to the same level. Doesn't matter what hospital you're in, it's just the same. And so as we look at this, understand what the writer's doing. And the overall thing that the writer's doing is this. He's saying that these people have faith, and they have flaws, and they have failure. But the reason they're in this chapter is they finished well. One of the challenges in reading the Bible is that you see how God used these ordinary people and how they seemingly became superheroes of the faith. Then you compare you to them and you're feeling pretty puny. You think there's no way you're ever going to be like those people. Well, today, Pastor Mark's going to try to demystify the people in Hebrews 11, the Faith Hall of Fame. You're going to find out that the difference between them and you was that after they heard God's command, they acted on it. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 11 as he begins his message, They had faith, so can we. For the word, if you would like to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. What comes to your mind when I say Babe Ruth? I know you women say candy bar, but it's a. Uh... <laughs> the guys know it's not a candy bar, it's what? An incredible baseball player. The Babe, New York. Now, When you think of him, of course, the thing we think of is the home runs that he hit. Way back then was the number one home run hitter, 714. But we miss some other things. He struck out in his day, he struck out more than anybody else. And his lifetime batting average was 342. So what does that mean? Well, that means two times out of every three, he didn't get anything. Either struck out, flied out, grounded out, whatever. So two out of three. But one of the greatest baseball players everywhere. Now, I want you to learn, when you leave this place, four words. And you're going to hear me say them over and over again. Write them down as we get started. And I'll explain them as we go. Four words as we go through this passage. Number one, faith. Number two, flaws. Number three, failure. And number four, finish. Faith, flaws, 
failure and finish. Hebrews 11, 32. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. He didn't have time, but I have a little time, so I'm going to tell you about them. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. Who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Now we gave you a principle, Romans fifteen fourteen. if you remember, simply says this, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now the writer of Hebrews, very possibly Paul, was writing to this little church in Rome, you remember. And they were needing encouragement, and they needed, well, they just needed to stay the course. And Paul is going to write them, and he has all through the book, and he's reminded them of many, many things. One key, as you remember, is Jesus is better than anything else that they discovered the whole time. But he always is going back to the Old Testament, as we should. And he's bringing up these individuals and saying to them, you want endurance? You want to make sure you never let go? God's never going to let go of you. Do you want to make sure? Well, just remember what happened. And of course, these people being Jewish would have known many of these names. And so let me just remind you as we go through these names, people are people. All over the world, people are exactly the same. Thousands of years ago, the people are the same. And people simply need to be taught. And every person on this earth knows about these four words, faith. God said everyone has been given a measure of faith. Faith and flaws and failure. And every person will finish. How will they finish? So we're all alike, we're all the same, and what you want to understand is none of these people that we go through obviously are perfect, and the scripture, in a really positive way, gives us a background of all of these individuals, and we see their warts and their zits, and like you watch people on television, and some of you ladies, you look at these beautiful young ladies, and their skin is just perfect or whatever, and the pictures that you see in the magazine you know, realize that when they got up in the morning, they didn't look like that at all. And it took hundreds of hours sometimes to get the photos just right and whatever. So there aren't really any of those kind of individuals. We're all just in here together. And if you ate too much chocolate or something, tomorrow you're going to get up and probably have a pimple and you'll put some clear seal on it or something, whatever they use today. Stridex is the old days. And, and you'll go on. We're the same. Just look at your neighbor and say, you're just like me. Just go ahead and tell them that. You're just like me. That's exactly right. So, when you read about these individuals, don't put them up here on the shelf. They're just like you and me. 
I learned this a lot in the hospital field. You see, it didn't matter whether a person came in as a VIP at the hospital or not. When they were ready, and quite often I'd either be in the emergency room or going into the operating room and just before they'd go in or whatever, come out. When they're there, the little gown on you, you're stripped down to nothing, your identity's taken away, you just have a name tag, you get on that operating table, absolutely everybody's alike. There's a male and a female. Other than that, nothing's different. And you make it through, you make it through, get your clothes on later, a few weeks, whatever, walk in the hall after surgery, whatever. Doesn't matter if you're multimillionaire, everybody's the same. Sometimes we don't have that picture, but hospitals, surgery, bring everybody to the same level. Doesn't matter what hospital you're in, it's just the same. And so as we look at this, understand what the writer's doing. And the overall thing that the writer's doing is this. He's saying that these people have faith, and they have flaws, and they have failure. But the reason they're in this chapter is they finished well. Now, Psalm 103 says this, He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender, compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are, and he remembers that we are only dust. Now, if you're a parent, you understand that verse. You see, as a human father or mother watches their son or daughter try something and struggle and fail, and they get down and encourage him to try, whether it's a bicycle with the training wheels or walking the first time or playing an instrument, you go to the first recital of your child, or at the baseball field, you know, a little t-ball or whatever. You're there, and when that child strikes out, you know, like five times in a game, drops everything, the daughter can't remember the part that she's supposed to play in the panel, she's mortified and whatever. Kid can't ride the bike, falls off all the time. You're not there beating them down. You're there to do what? Courage them? Come on, it's going to be okay. We'll get it. It's going to be all right. Why do you do that? Because you're a father, you're a mother that loves him. Well, our Heavenly Father is the same thing. So he brings it down to a more base level. He doesn't say when you fall off your bike, God comes down and tries to encourage you. He brings it to a base level. He says, I made you. I know what's in you. You're dirt. And what does he mean by that? He means we're human. And he knows that we what? Fail. I think it's very interesting if you look at Psalm 103. Notice how he starts his first out. He talks about sinning. And he equates it at the end of it with dirt. So he knows that we are going to fail, that we're going to sin. But he still loves us. And I think that's huge. So God designed babies and children to be raised by godly, caring parents. God designed his children to be raised by a caring, heavenly father. That's why we need to know his nature. Now, opposite of that, the enemy is always trying to condemn us. You're not good enough. 
You can't do that. God's got the wrong person. Certainly he would not use you. And we have to overcome that. And you'll see some of these challenges as we go through the scriptures. Now turn to Hebrews quickly. You're right there. But back to chapter 6. Chapter 6, verse 12. Remember, Paul says this. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. So I'm to be imitating individuals who are people of faith. It's not just the people in the pulpits or anything like that. There's lots of stories of individuals who have faith. The Bible, of course, is filled with them. That's why we're studying them. If you like to read, you ought to read many of the missionaries that want to William Carey, whatever. Lots of different missionaries. And as you read them, it'll just stimulate your faith tremendously. As you go through the scripture, remember, when you see these people, they're like you. Elijah was just like us. Great man. He went through these four things. Now, back to Hebrews 11, verse 32. As you look at these first, well, five or maybe six, because Samuel's kind of a little different. Of course, prophets come at the end. But as you look at all of these, you see something immediately. Who gained, look at verse 33, who gained faith through faith, conquered kingdoms, administered genocide, gained, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched fury, the flames, escaped the edge of the sword. What do you see in that verse? This thing you see, everything, is something you've heard me say so many times. You see spiritual warfare. Every person goes through spiritual warfare. It's not flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. And so, let me just remind you, what you're battling as you are trying to accomplish the thing God wants you to accomplish. Every Christ follower has three enemies. Our flesh. You say, well, Pastor Mark, I'm saved. I don't have the flesh nature. Well, yes, you do. Your spirit's saved. Your old flesh is still there, and you battle that. The second is the world. And the world and its influence has great influence on us. How do you think This world, the United States, got in the credit problem. It is, why all the homes going back? How did that happen? One reason. Banks said, you can afford it. We'll show you how you can afford it. No, we can't afford it. Yes, you can afford it. And we, looking at everybody else getting something new, said, well, I guess we can afford it. And we got into it, and the world did what to us in in the United States? It squeezed us into whose mold? It's mold. And that's where we're at. So we understand that. It's very easy. And the third thing, of course, your enemy is Satan. There was a lady who came into the office of a pastor and sat down. She then handed her Bible over to him and said, I'm turning my Bible in. I cannot live this Christian life. It's just too difficult. And I'm quitting. I'm going back to my old lifestyle. I gave it a good try, but the demands of Christ are simply too difficult. Anyone here ever feel like quitting? Be honest. Sure you have. Notice, if you understand this, the demands of Christ are too difficult. See, what she is doing, the reason she was quitting, I'm sure the pastor probably talked her out of it. I hope he did. She's talking about self-determination. She's just going to, 
I can do this by myself. You can't do this by yourself. You can't defeat those three enemies in your natural man. It's impossible. So the Christian life certainly includes a commitment, a discipleship, and endurance. But that will never bring a spiritual victory. Just want you to write this down. Life is not just a matter of trying. I tried and I tried and I tried and I, and I tried. No, it's not just a matter of trying, but also trusting. Trusting that the promises of God are true. Let me just read to you John fifteen five. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He will bear much fruit. He will. She will. Now, why is that trusting? Well, because the enemy will say, you can't do it. It's impossible to do it. So I either believe John 15, 5, or I don't believe it. You either believe it or you don't believe it. It's either true or it isn't true. Well, we know it's from God, it's true. So that means as long as I'm connected to him and I'm in him, whatever he allows to come into my life, it will happen. So the opposite of that person saying, I can't do anything for God. Well, no, you can't, but with him you can. Paul would say in Philippians 4.13, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Now, what is the limitation on that? The limitation on that is simply this. I can do everything he calls me to do and he gifts me to do. If you said to me, Pastor Mark, I'd like to see this on the webpage, would you program it? You better be waiting for a while. I couldn't do it. My wife came home. Her and Early do a lot of painting and stuff, and she went to a class a few months ago, or I don't know how long ago. She took one class on doing portrait painting of people. She'd never done one. She took her little granddaughter's picture, and she did a portrait. She came home absolutely incredible. Now, if you give me a paintbrush, it better be about that thick, and put some gloves on me, and I can do the wall, baby. There's no problem. A portrait, you wouldn't recognize anybody. I can't even do a stick man of a portrait. So what am I saying? You can't say, well, I'm going to do this. Self-determination. God's called me to be a pastor, and I'm going to do a pastor. If he's called you to be one, you can be one. If he hasn't, you'll never be one. Well, I want to be one. No, that's back to the whole thing on gifts. Remember, he gives you. This is a whole body. Everything flows together. So whatever he gives you to do, it isn't a wish list you have out there. Whatever he gives you to do, you can absolutely do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, while you're doing that, what's going to happen? Well, Galatians 5.16 says this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what the sinful nature craves. As you battle in your life, just like these people did, remember, flaws. What's my flaw? My flaw is I still have my sin nature. I still have my weakness. So do you. You know what that area is. So I have this flaw. If it's not going to become a failure, the way it doesn't become a failure is I rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. And Romans chapter 8 tells us that those three enemies never have to have power over me anymore. I can say no to my flesh nature. I'll never stop being tempted, but I can say no 
you're going to see one man that you know his name well, always had lust his whole life. It brought him down. He was not able or didn't allow God to conquer that in his life. So as we look through this, living by the power of the Holy Spirit doesn't mean I'm condemned, doesn't mean I'm frustrated, doesn't mean I've ever have to force to give in to sin. It simply means that God will empower me to say no and I can walk away from sin. Like we talked about Joseph, he was able, through the power of God, to just run from Potiphar's wife. He ran and that did it. Now, let's look at the first one here, Gideon. You know the story, I'm not going to go into detail at all, just kind of give you a quick little overview. Gideon. Remember the least in his family, the least nation, thinking, God, you got the wrong man when God comes to him. But God said, no, I don't have the wrong man. I want to use you. I want your faith to be increased. You remember the story. Gideon's army was reduced by God from 32,000 to 300, kind of like working at the Cape or something when the shuttle goes away. All the workers were gone. And the 300 that were left were people that Gideon said, okay, there's what I'm left with. Can I actually... Win the battle with 300? Yes. But something happened in all of this. Obviously, Gideon learned to trust God's promises, and he did eventually win against the Midianites. But turn with me to Judges, Old Testament Judges. Judges chapter 6. See, we're all this work in progress. And what we're going to pray tonight are some of these issues. Judges 6.36 When God comes to Gideon and says, I want you to do this, this, and this, and this, notice verse 36. And Gideon said to God, this would be good for you to circle in your Bible. Circle the word, if. If you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised. You see, if and promise (laughs) don't go together. Either he promised or he didn't promise. So, If can't be there. The outcome is he wins. Where does this work? Notice, Gideon learned to have faith in God's promises. No ifs. You don't want ifs in your life. When there's ifs in your life, faith is gone. Ifs represent doubt. God, I know you can do this if you will. If God's promised, he can do it. You're right there in Judges. Go to Judges 7.15. And you'll see that finally this flaw that was in Gideon, if all the different things that he would do, we don't have time to get into them, he finally overcame that. It didn't end up in failure. Look at Judges 7.15. When Gideon heard that the dream and its interpretation, he worshipped God. He returned to the camp of Israel and called up, Get up! The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hand. All the ifs were gone. He was assured now that God was going to give the victory. Now, my question to you and myself is this. Is there an area in your life where God's given you a promise, but you put an if in front of it? God's given you a promise, and you're putting a qualifier out there if. It doesn't work. Take the if away. If God's given you a promise, you stand on the promise. Don't be wishy-washy. Don't put an if out there. You just stand on it. You might have learned more about baseball and Pastor Mark's teaching than you ever thought you would, but he had a point to make. 
for even the best athletes and those you might consider at the top of their field, failure is a part of their lives too. The difference for them and for victorious followers of God is that they don't let failure keep them from reaching their goal. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his teaching, They Had Faith. So can we. He'll be back to talking about the people mentioned in Hebrews 11. He's going to be addressing the aspect of the Christian faith that isn't talked about very much, spiritual warfare. You'll be reminded that you have some enemies who don't want your spiritual growth to continue. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series in Hebrews. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting